How we doing, Porch? Come on, come on. If you're listening uh, anywhere you are, if someone just led you in worship, wherever you are, be it Fort Worth, Houston, Cedar Rapids, wherever, can we just applaud the way that they use their talents to stir our affections for God? Late last week, I was at uh, lunch with two other pastors. One was Todd Wagner, senior pastor here, and another pastor friend. And, and we were eating at a restaurant we haven't eaten at before. And, uh, and so uh, there, we, you know, we kind of engaged the server, right? Like, here's the reality. Uh, he doesn't have a chance of not hearing the gospel. Like, we're going to talk about Jesus uh, one way or another. That's about to happen. And, uh, and so Todd engages him first and says, hey, you know, um, man, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? And the guy's out thinking like, yeah, sure, like, you know, what salad dressing do we have or uh, what's the soup of the day, you know? And, and he's like, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, what comes to mind when you think about God? And there's a host, oh, that kind of question. And so he's like back and forth, you know, between us and other tables. And the second question, hey, what comes to mind when you think about the Bible? And then he kind of goes back and forth. And he's like, let me, let me think on that. And the third question is, what comes to mind when you think about the church? And so then kind of all the other tables clear out and we're there because we were meeting about some other things. And, and so we we're able to, to talk with this young man. And, and I'll, I wrote down his questions. I'd love to share. I wrote, wrote down his answers. I'd love to share them with you. So what comes to your mind when you think about God? He said, a higher power that no one can know. Maybe you know someone that would say the same thing. Maybe you know someone that would, would respond in a similar way. He says, what comes to mind when you think about the Bible? And he said, a book that's been changed over time. And he likened it to like the telephone game. Like when you whisper in someone's ear and then they tell the next person and they tell the next person and then it comes out different. And we got to have a great conversation about that. I said, hey, do you, you, uh, are you aware of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the greatest archaeological uh, discovery ever to, find, ever to be found? Did you understand that, that that dates predates before they thought the Bible was changed, that it shows that it hasn't been changed? Do you know how many manuscripts we have? And we, we started to have this really thoughtful and engaging conversation and this is what comes to mind when you think about the church. And he said, a group of people who don't really believe what they say they believe. And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? And we're in this conversation. He said, well, you know, he, he's essentially saying people that gather around uh, hypocrisy. Because they say that Jesus is the life and the Bible is true and, and that, that life is found in God alone, but they really live their lives however they want. And I was particularly intrigued by this answer. And I asked him, I said, well, listen, what do you believe? And he said this, he said, I believe we need to find our own way, determine what is true for us, and live our lives the way we want to as long as we do good. We're in this series bad advice, and I want to start by saying that's bad advice. That's bad advice, that, that you need to find your own way to God, determine what is true for you, and, and live your life however you want, as long as you do good. That's not good advice, but this is a very popular idea, particularly in our generation. This is an idea that's growing in popularity, and I'll show you some stats, that 43% of millennials, if you were born between 1980 and 2000, said it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow, because they all teach the same lessons. Some of you might think that here. 70% of all major Christian and non-Christian religious groups say many religions can lead to eternal life. 
comes from USA Today. The fastest growing religious expression among the millennials is called nuns, comprised of men and women who have no religious affiliation or, or, or are atheist agnostic. They might say, I'm spiritual but not religious. You ever heard this? Anybody ever told you that? Hey, I'm spiritual but not religious. Anybody ever heard that? Some of you here, you've said that. Spiritual, not religious. Pew Research Center said that this is twice as many uh, millennials believe this than compared to our parents' generation and three times more than compared to our grandparents' uh, generation. Furthermore, when it comes to religious tolerance, millennials tend to think it doesn't matter what you believe. 68% say there's more than one true way to interpret the teachings of my religion. 50% believe all people are eventually saved or accepted by God no matter what they do. That is a teaching called universalism that everyone ultimately goes to heaven. And here's the problem with those beliefs. They're not rooted in an ancient scripture, an ancient writing, a man who showed back up from the dead and say, hey, here's the reality. They're, they're not writing and uh, they're not rooted in history, biology, in science. They're rooted in one thing, feelings. I don't wanna think people go to hell, so I've, kind of just made up my own religion that all people somehow get to heaven. That, that, that's interesting. What, what divine revelation did you have? What dream, what man showed back up from the grave and taught you? Well, you just, it's just a convenient truth. We think we're growing smarter than our parents and then our grandparents, but really, when it comes to God, we digress. If there's a God and he's a creator God, and I literally believe this as fact. I believe he spoke things into existence, like he said it and, it and it formed. That he's the creator of all things, that he thought about you before the creation of the world and had plans for your life. He knew the talents he was gonna entrust to you, and so if that is true of him, if he can, he can speak things into existence, but he cannot introduce himself to me, then he's a weak God. And if he has to show himself as these different faces, like he's one God over here and a different God over here and a different God over here, that's just confusing. Like you would agree if I said, hey, I'm really strong and I'm really talented and I can do all things, but I can't even tell you who I am. That's problematic. And I don't think that's true about God. The problem is that so many of us say we know this God, but we live our lives however we want to, and our theology gets squishy because we say that we believe the Bible is true and that it's God's written word, but we don't read it, we don't study it, we don't apply it to our lives. We say that life is found in Christ alone, but if anybody was to come and audit our life and to list out our priorities, they would begin to prioritize other things over Jesus. And our, our behavior always follows our belief. So what do we really believe? You have a choice. You can try to find your own way to God, determine your own truth, and live your own life, or you can turn to the one who gave you life and has a purpose for your life, and you can ask him the way. You can allow him to define the truth and you can ask him, hey, how do you want me to live my life? And so that's what we're gonna look at, how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What does this mean? What does this say about 
Jesus. And so uh, I'm going to be in John chapter 14, but it actually starts in chapter 13 as we continue this series, Bad Advice. And so Jesus is talking to his boys and he says, um, listen, I'm going somewhere and you cannot come with me. But, but, but where I'm going, see, he's about to die. He's telegraphing what's about to happen. He says, but where I'm going, you're going to come later. And Peter, you know, he bows up and he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go anywhere with you, man. Ride or die. It's you and me for life. We're going to, I'm not, I'm not leaving your side, Jesus. And Jesus tells him, really, man, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so he says, listen, I'm going to go. I got to die. One of you is going to betray me. Peter, you're going to disown me. And Satan, he's going to work against all of this. And so it's this really tender moment. They're, these guys are pretty discouraged. You can imagine they're sitting there and they're just like, like what? And he says this, John 14, 1. Do, do not let your hearts be troubled, guys. Come here, come here. Hey, listen, don't let your, your hearts be troubled. You, you believe in God. Believe also in me. See, my, my father's house, it has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Why does he use this language? This is an incredibly intimate language. This is the, the Hebrew wedding or Hebrew marriage metaphor. What would happen is a young Hebrew, young Jewish child would leave his father's home, go into a foreign land, find a bride, return back to his father's house, begin to build a room on his father's house, and then at a time and an hour unknown, return for his bride to take her home to that room. And that's the language Jesus is using here. He said, guys, don't you understand? I'm going to build a place for you. And if you weren't going to live in it, I wouldn't build it. But I'm coming back for you. That's the hope you live with today, guys. I'm coming back for you. You know, he says, you know the, the place where I am going. And Thomas, this is doubting Thomas, or Thomas Didymus, Thomas the twin, he speaks up and he says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus, God incarnate, God in the flesh, creator God walking the earth, said, spoke these words. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. We could have stopped at I am, those two words. We could spend an entire evening on the two words I am because this is God's name for himself. And they said, who are you in Exodus? He says, I am who I am. Remember Jesus in the garden when they come to arrest him and they say, hey, are you the Christ? And he says, I am. And they fall over like a science fiction movie. They just fall on the ground. Powerful words. He says, I am, and, and it translates, I and only I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says this, no one comes to the Father except through me. So what does it mean that Jesus is the way? The bad advice is that there are many ways to God. My first point is that Jesus is the only way to eternal life with God. Specifically, Jesus is answering, hey, how do we get to God? How do, we, how do we get to where you're going? My wife, my family, and I, we're planning a vacation right now as we speak. I was on orbits today looking at locations and flights. And what I do when I'm planning a vacation is I talk to somebody who's been there. 
Hey, you've been there? Hey, what did, you, what did you do when you got there? Hey, how did you go? Did you fly? Did you drive? What's the best thing? Where, what's the best place to stay? Right? When you're going somewhere, you want to talk to someone who's been there. Well, there's one person who's been in eternity past in heaven with the Father, came here and is back there and he's coming back here. And this was the opportunity to find, hey, so how do I get there? Hey, I'm how you get there. I'm the way. No one gets to the Father except through me. And so maybe you've been here and you've heard, well, basically, right, all religions teach the same thing. That was a part of our conversation at lunch. That was one of the things this young man said. He says, all religions essentially teach the same thing. I mean, no offense to him, but I will tell you that it's an incredibly uneducated position that all religions basically teach the same thing. Let's just study them for a second. I don't expect you to leave here an expert on Islam or Hinduism, but I will just give you just a, a brief overview from some of these things. So this comes from Islam. This is the Quran. The Quran, for lack of a better term, is the Islamic Bible. Um, this comes from, uh, let's see, the Ali Imran, uh, chapter 3, verse 85. Whoever prefers a religion other than Islam, it shall definitely not be accepted from him. And in the hereafter, he shall be among the losers. And then from the Al-Ma'idah, chapter five, verse 72, listen to this one. They have certainly disbelieved who say, Allah is the Messiah, the son of Mary. Allah has forbidden him paradise and his refuge is the fire. Let me summarize that for you in case you got lost in that language. It's saying anyone who believes Jesus is God is going to hell. That's from the Quran. So you got the Bible, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, the life. No, he's the Father except through me. And the Quran, anyone who believes Jesus is God is going to hell. And they're both right. They're not, in case somebody clips that sound. <laughs> Sends it viral. <laughs> well, let's talk Hinduism, okay? This is Krishna, the Hindu force of the universe speaking. This comes from the, the Hindu Bible, if you will, the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, this is chapter nine, verses three through four. It says, those who are without faith in my teaching cannot attain Krishna or enlightenment. I permeate all the universe in, all, in my unmanifest form. All beings exist within me. If you do not accept this view that you... Uh, that you do not exist, you will never achieve Hindu salvation. This is the one way to Hindu salvation. But it's, it's also interesting that not just the path to eternal life is different, the destiny is different. The Hindus believe in reincarnation. And so you're not spending eternity with the Father, you're being made again into, a, you know, depending on how you live your life, what your karma was, a rat, a cow. And, and if that sounds disrespectful, that also is an uneducated position because it's not. They, they treat cows like gods. And so then there's Buddhism. From the Dhammapada, chapter 20, uh, verses 274 through 275, oddly enough, this section of this writings is called The Way. Buddhism is the only path. There is none other for the purification of insight. Walking upon this path will make an end of suffering. It is the only way. Exclusive. And then in the Jewish tradition, exclusivity manifests itself in God's chosen people, uh, in which anyone who accepts the teachings of Jewish monotheism is waiting for a messianic world to come. They've rejected Jesus 
as the Messiah. They are waiting for the Messiah to come. And that is the only way to get to God is through the law. And so if you're here and in the name of love and tolerance, you want to coexist and think, hey, all religions are correct. What you've done is maybe the most unloving, unhelpful, most hurtful thing you could possibly do. What you're really saying is they're all wrong, ignorant to what they actually teach with absolute contradictory statements within their spiritual writings that they cannot be all right. To say that they are all correct is to say all of them are wrong. It is to reject all of them. It may sound good, feel cute and fuzzy. It just doesn't work out intellectually. So now you've got a choice. I can reject them all. I can embrace one of them. What do I do? The reality of it is, is we can coexist here. Absolutely. I've got friends who are, who are Muslim. I have friends who are Hindu. I, I, I can sit down and, and break bread and have conversation and discuss faith. We can coexist here, but we cannot coexist in eternity through embracing those beliefs. And it's harmful. It's unloving. And, and if you're here and you believe that, you have made up a religion and ultimately rejected six billion people. Let me, let me go one more with you. Um, Monica and I, my wife and I, we were in New York and we were really far from our hotel and we had done this kind of hop on, hop off bus tour thing and we were really far and we had this idea like, let's take the subway back. We had never been on the subway, so let's, let's experience the subway. And so we buy our ticket, we go underground, and we're sitting there, and, uh, you know, <laughs> should have thought this through, but there's this big map of all these lines, and I'm trying to figure out the one to get to our hotel, but there's like a green line, a blue line, a red line, a black line, a yellow line, looks like some sort of gospel presentation or something, and they're all there, and... <laughs> And, uh, and I'm just staring at it hopelessly, and I'm like trying to follow. And, and, um, and this, you know, this local, this New Yorker comes up by the grace of God and says, hey, hey man, can I help you out? And, and I'm like, yeah, man, we're trying to get to the Marriott over there you know, near t- Times Square. And, and he says, oh, man, you need the green line. Now, what I didn't say, dude, don't green line me, bro coming at me with all your closed-mindedness on your line. I'll take it. What, what about the yellow? What if I want to take the yellow line? What if I want to get to the Marriott by the yellow line? How about the black line? What if I was going to jump on the, you're going to come immediately and tell me that the only way there is the green line? No, I said, thank you. Thank you for sharing that truth. You've obviously been where I want to go and you're telling me how to get there. That's really helpful. Now, imagine that that's what happened. Let's step out of that in the hypothetical situation. Let's just, let's just say I was dying. I was bit by a snake. I needed an anti-venom of sorts and, and I'm there and I need to get to the hospital and I say, hey, and, and I'm frantically, he sees that I'm frantic and, and life's not going well right now and, and I, I'm, I need to go to the hospital. Which one's gonna take me to the hospital and to comfort me, to make me feel better? He puts his arm around me and says, hey man, here's the good news. Any of these will take you to the hospital. Man, are you serious? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's good news. Thank you so much. I feel so loved right now. And then I get on one, and I end up further from the hospital, and I die. I'm going to realize that wasn't very loving. 
You think about how many of your friends are going to get to the end of this race. Dude, why didn't you tell me Jesus was the way? Why didn't you tell me? You mean God came here in the form of a man and he told us how to get to God? And you kept that to yourself? Why didn't you tell me? I'll go one more with you. If there was another way to save people. See, I've, I've got a son, Weston. And if basically he has to die for your sins or anything else, I'm going to choose anything else. Like it seems like when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's like, Lord, let this cup pass from me, God would be like, yeah, okay, you got it, man, because there's some other ways. They can just be good. You know? Yeah, yeah, no worries. No need to die. No need to watch my son be publicly humiliated, pinned to two pieces of wood in the town square, asphyxiating slowly for the sins of man. There's other ways. Seems like that's when they would have been introduced. And so I know Christianity is exclusive. It is indeed, but I will tell you it is the most inclusive of all exclusive religions because Jesus is standing there at the gate saying, hey, come one, come all, I died for you. Just embrace my payment. Embrace what I've done for your sins and you can have my kingdom. Bad advice number two is to find out what is true for you. Truth is relative. Truth is different for every person. Second point is Jesus is the truth that defines reality in the world he made. Jesus is the truth that defines reality in the world he made. This is different than saying Jesus is true. Okay, we can believe that Jesus is true. Most credible atheists in our day would embrace the existence and historicity of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not saying that Jesus is true. I'm saying Jesus is truth. But let's just go down that path for a second. Jesus is true historically, right? He fits in history. He was born in Bethlehem. Everyone here, you heard of Bethlehem? Raise your hand if you've heard of Bethlehem. If you're listening, raise your hand if you've heard of Bethlehem. Okay, it's, it looks like just about everyone's heard of Bethlehem. Every her, ever, ever heard of Ephrat? How many of you have heard of Ephrat? It's a city right beside Bethlehem. You've never heard of it because Jesus wasn't born there. The only reason you know about Bethlehem is because Jesus was born there. If Jesus, wasn't, if Jesus was born in Ephrath, I would say, who knows Ephrath? Everybody would have raised their hand. Who knows Bethlehem? No one would have raised their hand. Beth, Bethlehem? We wouldn't know it. We know it because Jesus was born there. You know a Nazareth, right? Jesus lived in Nazareth, so we can all raise our hands. We know of Nazareth. Anyone know Enmahil? It's a town right beside Nazareth. You've never heard of it. See, the only reason we know these places is because the single most polarizing character in the history of history lived there. That no matter where you go, people know the name of Jesus Christ. I've been in the jungles of Africa. They know my, I've gone down the rivers in the Amazon six days, got off to find a people who knew about Jesus Christ. Not just that, but your iPhone today tells you that it's 2017. 2017 years from what? The birth of this man. See, up until he showed up, we were counting backwards. Before Christ, he shows up on the scene and we start counting one, 
two, three, all the way up to 2017. Every atheist you know acknowledges him by the date they put on their test paper or their checks. Truth, that's Jesus is true. Truth goes beyond simply being true. Truth defines the way things are, right? When something is truth, it can be rejected, but it is still true. And so there's people who say, well, there, there is no absolute truth. <laughs> well, then that's not absolute truth. Do you see, I just want you to engage your mind. That's all I'm trying to get you to do right now. I just want you to be thoughtful. If someone says, well, there's no absolute truth, they've just made an absolute statement. If there's no absolute truth, then you could reject their statement of there not being any absolute truth. That's crazy. Okay, listen, to, to hammer this home, right, that, that just because you say something and even because you believe something does not mean it's true. Even if you know it to be true, I want to do something, and I need your participation with me. If wherever you're at, please participate with me. What I'd love for you to do right now is close your eyes. Now, okay, close your eyes. Hold your purse close to you. I'm going to watch everyone. <laughs> I'm watching people's movement. Okay, if you would just close your eyes for a minute, okay? Close your eyes and grab a good pointer finger. So hold up a pointer finger like you're doing the number one, right? So, so wherever you're at, Fort Worth, wherever, hold up a pointer finger and I want you to point on the count of three due north. One, two, three. Okay, now open your eyes. Nice. Nice. Hey, hey, back with me. Now you're arguing, okay? It's not worth arguing over. Uh, I'd, I'd love to, after the service today, after the service, uh, for those of you that pointed straight up, I'd like to see you, okay? That was, that's confusing. Uh, we're gonna, yeah. Here's the deal, north is that way. Oh, hold, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because about, about a fourth of you think you got it right. But, but north is a really fine line. And if you travel it, you'll eventually hit Canada. But if you miss by one or two degrees, you can miss Canada altogether. It's a very narrow line. And some of you, 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 you pointed confidently this way. You're like, I, no, I got this one. And you weren't any more right, no matter how much you believed it to be true. You weren't right. And for those of you that pointed this way or this way, right, you're close, but it wasn't due north. It wasn't the way. It's not Jesus plus something else. Jesus and other things. The gospel and works. It's Christ. He's the way. He's all you got. You want to get to God, you look to Jesus. He is the path. But he's not just the way, he's the truth. And so, you can reject truth in a number of different ways, right? You, I can reject the truth of gravity by jumping off a building, believing that I can fly. But the truth of gravity is going to prevail. And if we reject the truth of Jesus, we miss more than heaven. We miss out life here on earth. And the reason why we do, and this is so important, is because you were not just created by Jesus. You were created for Jesus. 
This is what Colossians 1 tells us. For, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Here's what that means. Your atheist friend who hates Jesus was made by Jesus for Jesus. They were made for him. And so what happens is we get to this place where we think that us determining our own truth is freeing, and it's not freeing. It actually robs us of freedom, right? We can choose to to be free to do things that doesn't give us freedom. Like I can be free to choose not to eat, because I want the freedom not to eat. I will eventually starve to death. You can have the freedom to reject Jesus, and you will eventually spiritually starve to death, eternally death. There are truths that are wrapped up in this world that we must know. If we do not know Jesus, our soul will starve. My, my little girl was convinced that she could fly. She was convinced of it. And she spent an entire day uh, building this flight suit. It was rather impressive, out of cardboard. And uh, the time came to step out in the backyard and she gave herself as much runway, this was on Instagram, eternally memorialized, um, and she ran as fast as she could toward, that, toward the fence. And I watched, I mean, she was convinced, and I was, I'm, I'm thinking, I wonder what she's gonna do with the power lines right there, but if she's even thinking that far ahead, but, but she just ran, and I mean, I, I had to intervene at some point to let her know there was a greater truth than what she believed with all her heart. And friends, listen, you are believing some things out of convenience and out of feelings that are not grounded in truth. And I just want you to think, I just want you to reconsider what is real. The world, your peers, your friends, who says freedom comes from you determining what is true, But this is different than what Jesus said. Jesus said, find out what is actually true and then you will be free. John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let me go one more illustration with you. Try to explain what I mean by this. My kids love pets. They have since they could speak. They've wanted a pet. They love animals. They've wanted a pet. And uh, man, they're conspiring against me. Like they meet in the rooms to talk about it and try to figure out how they're gonna get dad on board. And, and, uh, and whenever we get near Petco, like they make me go inside because sometimes they have kittens and puppies in there and it's, it's all a big setup. They teach them how to sit there and look sad. You know they do. And, and, um, and so we went in the other day. This happened again. We go in and and, uh, you know, my, the, the girls are looking at the cats and Weston's looking at the dog. And, and I'm like, okay, sooner or later I'm going to lose this battle. And so here's, here's the compromise. I grab him. I say, hey, guys, let me show you. So here's a pet I think you might actually be able to get one day. And I take him to the betta fish, you know. I'm like, look how beautiful this specimen is. I mean, it's purple. It's your favorite color. Look at him. I mean, this, that's great. And, and one of them, the, the younger one, uh, says, oh, that's fantastic. I could take him out and play with him. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to explain, no, you can't. Like, the fish has to be in water. And like, no, 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 that's, that's too confining. He didn't say that word. But <laughs> it's like, it's not, he said, it's not fair, Daddy. It's not fair. 
We'll get him out. We'll bust him out of here. We'll put him in our pocket and help him escape. <laughs> For him to exist, he has to be in right relationship with that which he was existed for. And, and that's what I'm trying to tell you is you are made by Jesus for Jesus. The truth that you live in is that you have to remain connected to that vine or you are dying. You're experiencing a spiritual death. And if you have not connected yourself to that vine through trusting in his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins, you will face an eternal death. God made the world and placed us inside a narrative. Genesis to Revelation, that narrative is about Jesus. The whole book. One central character. And he's coming back for us. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Jesus like I believe in the sun. Not that I know it's there, but by it I see all things. Not just that I see the sun, but by the sun I see all things. The last bad advice is don't let anyone tell you how to live your life. You do you. My third and final point is life as it is intended cannot exist apart from Jesus. Life as it is intended cannot exist apart from Jesus. Jesus made life. He certainly knows best how, how it is lived. Uh, he lived it as an example. He changed my life, by the way. I lived in the world. I pursued the things of the world. Jesus came in. I lived John 10, 10, where he says, I've come so that they may have life and have it to the fullest, that they would experience life abundantly. And as Jesus calls us to him, he calls us from sin. That's repentance, that we would turn from our sin and towards Jesus. And sin is not just this bad idea. It literally, very literally brings death into our life. And this is why the idea of tolerance towards sin is so unbelievably unloving. And this is so popular in our generation that, that we just want to let everybody to each his own, do their own thing, you do you, and not intervene, and we call it loving. It's not loving. I don't know how to wake you up and show you that it is extremely unloving. It's this opposing message. See, our very best strategy is to call believers and non-believers alike to the truth, into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. But there's this opposing message that, it, that is found that, that opposes Jesus in 2017 called New tolerance. Old tolerance, I have no problem with. Old tolerance, it's, it says this, I wrote it down. Old tolerance said that we should accept that there are different views. Man, I've got no problem sitting beside you and, and acknowledging you believe something different than what I believe, be it about marriage, be it about sexuality, be it about uh, what freedoms you have, be it about, you know, who you voted for. I don't care what it is. I've got no problem sitting with you and disagreeing with you politely. You say, man, hey, I respect your opinion. I have a different opinion. We can still be friends. We can, I still love you. You need a kidney. I got two. You know, it's all right. That's fine. New tolerance says this. Says that we should accept different views. That's different. That's where when I bump up against someone who disagrees with me, that what I need to do to love them appropriately is, is embrace their views as my own and to say, I believe that too. That's ludicrous. How did we get there? That's crazy. Old tolerance, hey, it's okay for people to disagree. 
new tolerance, the only thing you cannot do is disagree. That when you disagree, it's hateful. What you must do is be open to everybody's views so that no one really has views and we accessorize our lives with different things that different people believe. It's like you hear something that someone believes in, you're like, oh, that kind of sounds like a good idea, and you wear it like a hat for a season until you find something else. You're like, well, that's kind of good too, and you put it on like a coat. Instead of actually sitting down and doing the contemplative work it takes to say with the scriptures, who is God? What does he say is true? What do I actually believe? How am I going to live my life because of that? And what's going to happen is that people will call for tolerance and that when someone faces the natural consequences of sin, they're going to blame it on intolerance. I just read an article about this. It was about suicide rates and those who are addicted to pornography. And it said that, that people who were addicted to pornography had a higher depression and suicide rate. And then it said the reason that they thought that it, they did was because of the intolerant culture around it. And because they didn't feel accepted or embraced by their addiction to pornography, they became depressed and therefore suicidal. No, 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 no. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, told us that when we do those things, we experience death. It's not the intolerance that's the problem. It's the given into sin that's the problem. And so it doesn't take tolerance to love that person. It takes truth. Don't you see it takes truth? Say, hey, let me show you a better way. And so I know that a lot of folks here, you're not Muslim or another world religion, but you're just as wrong. Because you say you believe in Jesus, but you live your life however you want. And you're doing more harm to Christianity than good. And you would be better off shaking the Christian label you would be better off stop, to, to stop calling yourself a Christian or to, to really be better off to, to listen and say, God, are you real? And I wanna give my life to you if you are. When we understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, it changes the way we preach, it changes the way that we share. Just like David's great message last week, when we share the gospel, I wanna show you the, an example of Peter and John who had just healed a man and they're facing death and all they needed to do, all they need to do is deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that they can live or escape being incarcerated and they're, they're in front of the Sadducees who deny the resurrection and this is what they say, right? If there was another way to God, this would be a great time to say it, but this is what they say. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And that would have been a great time to say, hey, Sadducees, listen, man, listen, just be good. And let us go and let us live. Just live your lives, man, lots of ways to God. That'd be a good time to do that. But that's not what they said. 
in summary, if a creator exists, do you believe that he could show us the way to him? Do you believe there is absolute truth in how we find it? If God created us, do you think he would tell us where life can be found? And Jesus, who had spent eternity past with the Father, said, no one comes to the Father except through me. To go back to that lunch conversation with that server, I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Do, do you have a faith? He said, no. I said, are, are you atheist or agnostic? Or? He said, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm atheist. I said, okay, who, who do you study, like, in regards to atheism? Do you read Hitchens or Dawkins or Sam Harris? Like, who are you a student of? He, he said something really profound I want to share with you. He said, I grew up in the dead church. That was education enough. I want you to think about that for a moment. He said, I've lived my life long enough to know that there are Christians who say they believe one thing but live a very different way. And I'm just gonna go ahead and just claim that I'm an atheist because they're functional atheists. It doesn't mean that they actually believe there's a God because they say they believe there's a God. Our behavior always follows our belief. We can say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and then we can follow a different way, search for a different truth, and find life on our own in other things. You've got a lot of options. If you want to know where life is found, like you could talk to your buddies. Hey, what do you all believe? You know, you can go to your friends, your parents. You can talk to your crazy uncle. Hey, man, like, where is life really found? You know, can you help me out? What's true? And how do I find out what's true? Or you can go to the one who showed up on the scene and made quite the big splash. He lived a perfect life. I mean, people couldn't bring anything against him. In fact, everywhere he went, people were getting healed left and right. It's documented really, really well in history. Such a perfect life that those who were religious at the time became incredibly jealous of him because he claimed to be God. And so they tortured him and killed him in the most humiliating kind of way as had been prophesied for hundreds of years. In fact, hundreds of years, 400 years before Jesus shows up on the scene, it says that he's going to die on a cross before anyone had ever seen a cross or even knew what one was. He does so. And as the prophets had foretold, he showed back, from, showed back up from the dead. And it says in historical documents that over 500 people saw him. If you're wondering how Jesus became so famous, 500 people saw a dead man walking. That's something you talk about. And these 11 guys who were complete and total cowards now are standing in front of the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and religious people in the world saying, hey, I'll give my life. I saw that man come back to life. You do whatever you want to with me. You want to cut off my head. You want to hit me with a club. You want to throw me off that building. You want to crucify me upside down. Do what you got to do. But I saw him come back to life. I saw him resurrect. And I saw him ascend into the sky, seated at the right hand of God, the creator. 
What you gonna do to me? He came back from the grave. What you gonna do to me? Better question, what are you gonna do with your life? What's true? How do you get to God? Have you thought about it? Father, help us think about it. When we're searching for the way to you, we can listen to somebody else or we can listen to your son who you sent here. When we're searching for what is true, we can look at bumper stickers or we can listen to your son who you sent here. When we're searching for how to live our life, we can read some self-help books, God. Or we can turn to you who gave us life, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We can ask you what to do. Father, would you guide and lead us? Would you direct our steps? If there's somebody here that who hasn't come into a relationship with you, anyone listening who hasn't come into a relationship with you, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, please, God, would you woo them into a relationship with you? Help them to deal with these truths, not to listen to bad advice, but to stand on the truth. Your son, Jesus Christ, is the way, the only way, the truth, the only truth, and the life as it is intended. In his name, amen.